This is a horror podcast. It exists to provoke and alarm and unnerve. None of us will judge you if you turn away. But if you wish to proceed, it's your choice. Yours and yours alone. There is no God. Love is impossible. There is no escape from a cold, uncaring universe. Love is a lie. God is your enemy. Down below the reservoir, something stirs. Down below the reservoir, something stirs. Because what we fear the most is true, there is nothing in the world for us. Episode 130, Three Holes, I Love You. It leaves three holes in her. Off-centre, bevelled, sphincter stopped. A finger in each, and she says a phrase. The top, she tells you how they met. I wore red, and the streets were wet with rain. I broke a heel and fell. Yours was the hand held out to me. I took it, and we met. The centre, and she whispers, I love you. The lowest, and she says, Nothing. In again. Nothing. One word, in the smallest voice, a finger limp dragging through dust. Wakey, wakey, love. He knocked again on the door of her cupboard. Are you decent? He stood unsteady on the single bed, each footstep sinking with a squeak of springs. He waited for her reply, and when none came, he opened her cupboard. Big day today, huh? Big day. He got his fingers under and through the tangled twists of her limbs. Slowly, carefully, he began to slide her out. Oh, careful now. A foot and a hand tumbled to lull, and the bulk of her unspooled. A flaccid sausage slither, out dangled a leg, and he dug in flesh for the other one, then hips and spine, and... Halfway out, there was a snag. She tangled herself in Christmas lights. Gosh almighty, look at the stadia. He unwound the cords from her wrists and neck. You should have said, another inch and you'd have been strangled. It was one of the things they argued about but it always ended with her admitting nothing was wrong. Admitting she loved him. That way all their arguments ended. There we go. There we go. He took the rest of her out and laid her down on bedsheets. He began to unfold her. Each arm he uncrossed from her chest, a chorus of pops as soft bone returned to sockets. He straightened her leg, twisting the foot until it bent the right way, unweaving the toes. Her hips were fine, but he clamped two hands on them anyway, felt their round and pliant cool. With the fold of a napkin, he wiped her lips, cracked a yellow crust from the squint of her eyes. He brushed her hair, holding the blonde in handfuls and running them through, making her head flop on her boneless neck. He looked at himself and the girl in the mirror. You look lovely. A practised finger found the bevelled edge of her second hole and went in. I love you. She was made say. Oh, thanks, love. I love you too. 
Is there anything else you want me to do? Slowly a finger out of the second hole, into the third and deeply. Nothing. Good. Good. He kissed her forehead. Another divot in the pliant bone, a rash of them across her brow. He left her to the wretched unrecognition of herself and reached under the bed. Out of a black plastic bag, he dragged dresses like maggots from a boil. Blue, hmm? He held the garment against himself, chin clamped, one sleeve held out to droop. And you know I love the backless look on you. He spun round in the mirror. What do you think? She is silent. His eyes drifted to the shadow of her vertebrae line, kicked off-centre to the side, the uneven slope of shoulder blades. Confined too long. Okay, okay, you think it over. He draped the blue dress across the end of the bed, pulled another from the plastic pinch. Ooh, red. He ran a hand up and down. Oh, I like you in red. He put a thumb in the topmost hole. I wore red. That you did, that you did. I I think, I think we'll go with red, so. He dressed her in the chosen dress, folding limbs to suit and threading through the straps. Slowly, he zipped her up. An errant finger cheekily tracing the kinks of her back. And then, a red flower for her hair. But he couldn't make it sit right, and when it tumbled for a third time, he left it to lie between her legs and left her to sit demure at the foot of the bed. She sat there, unmoving, for seven hours. He was busy throughout with Christmas dinner. Their flat rang with the clatter of plate and dish. He called in from time to time to make her say she loves him. I love you. I know, I know. Her backless dress lends itself to such casual finger work. He went with a wink and a smile. Her face upon the snapped twig of her neck betrayed nothing. Hair half-styled hung over protuberant eyes the wet pink of boiled salmon. Teeth were missing in her lower jaw where gum had become too slack to hold. Her chest was a narrow cartilage cage, her shoulders a pair of merlin bones. The dress was too big for her. It yawns, shows everything with its gape. Her skin bore the oily shine of soap, pliant and soft, finger-marked where he gets her to comply. Her only movement, a drip from the corner of her mouth. It fell and darkened the scarlet of her thigh. For seven hours unmoving, she sat there. He returned, a rash of flour up one arm and an apron tied and elegant. Everything's done. Oh, look at the time. They'll be here soon. Let's get you out of the table. He lifted her, shook her from her seven-hour pose. He set her slumped at the dinner table. Oh, no need to look so nervous, my dear. They love you. I'm sure of it. With a finger in both corners of her mouth, he lent her a constant plastic smile. Now, let me see you. Perfect. Now there's the girl I love. Don't you go anywhere. A flash of a smile. He left her. Outside, snow had begun to fall, thickening as the man and woman stood at the front door. He wore a suit of dark brown, neatly ironed. His face was thick-lipped and heavy-jowled, a face that had fallen into place over years. He looked at her with gun-dog eyes, red-rimmed and pale. Should I, uh, knock again? He handled the words with care, holding them out one by one for her approval. Give it a moment. 
their breaths hung as hardened air. She was taller than him, and younger, wearing a suit of dark green. A peeved breath came through the gap in her front teeth, the only crack in that enamel wall, pure white against the red of her lips. She looked at her husband with eyes so brown they were black. Knock again. Louder this time. His hand had barely dropped when the door swung open. Their son, arms out wide to take them both. Ah, Mammy! Daddy! Welcome, welcome, welcome! Come in, come in! He took her coat in the hallway, draped it over the crook of his arm, led them upstairs and into the living room. In the doorway, in one swift glance, she took it all in. The cheerful cheapness of the flat the second-hand furnishings, the worn carpet and wallpaper, the small, dirty windows. She sniffed and made herself smile. The boy turned to them with a beam twice the strength of a summer sun and stretched with an expansive hand. Mammy, Daddy, this is Imelda. He stood there, rocking nervous, toe to heel, as his parents found the girl slumped at the kitchen table, ragged with shadows from candlelight cavernous moment of scrutiny. And then, something like a smile or a stab of pain on the mother's face. She pointed at the girl. Is this a joke? What is that at the table? Honey. No. Where's this new girlfriend of yours? Honey, that's... uh... Mammy. (laughs) Mammy, Imelda is very sensitive about her... about the way she is. Mammy. Daddy. This is Amelda. He swished introductions through the air like an ostentatious cake. Amelda, Mammy, Amelda, Daddy. He stood behind her, a secret finger in her second hole, making her say to the mother, I love you. He turned her head so she looked at the father. I love you. God, Amelda, steady on. You've only just met my parents. He gave her shoulder a tender squeeze. She's very friendly, don't you think? Dead eyes. An open mouth and missing teeth made to say I love you again. The old man's good dog eyes from son to wife. Uh, Hello. His hand held out, had nowhere to go, slowly returned to his pocket. Wait, is she... what's wrong? But the son bullied over her words. Sit, 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 sit. And he pulled out chairs for both of them. They find themselves pushed down to sit. Make conversation. Amelda, honey, why don't you tell them how we met? A sly finger in her topmost hole. Her lips moved out of sync with the dream words. I wore red and the streets were wet with rain. He winked at his parents and left them. I broke a heel and fell. Yours was the hand held out to me. I took it and we met. Pasta bake! He swept back into the living room, bearing a dish under a curl of steam. He placed it on the table with a half-cooked slosh. Just the entree, but it took me absolute hours. I hope you like it. It smells lovely, dear. It... The sight of the girl killed the rest of her words. He ladled the stuff onto plates. It spread in shapes and oily clots, beige and white. Is that enough for you, Daddy? Uh, grand, son. Uh, grand. And any more for Mammy? No. And Imelda, what do you want? Nothing. Are you sure? A quick two-finger shuffle. I love nothing. 
He slapped his cheek. You love nothing? Oh, that can't be right. I love you. <laughs> oh, Imelda, you're so good for me. We're so good for each other, aren't we? Mammy, Daddy, aren't we? They looked at each other. They moved their pasta bake around their plates with spoons. A nod from each. Did you tell you how we met? <laughs> the rain, the heel. <sighs> Gallant. And, and and what she wore, the... the... I wore... Nothing. Oh, crumbs, Imelda. Not in front of my parents. Sorry you had to hear that, but she is incorrigible sometimes. He ruffled her hair, knocking her head back and forth on her pliant neck. Gosh, Imelda, is there anything you won't say? Nothing. (laughs) A long, long quiet then. The man and woman leading cooling spoonfuls round the Delft, shepherding and chaperoning. Are you enjoying the food? What is wrong with her? Nothing. See, from her own mouth, there's nothing to worry about. It's Christmas. Eat your food. I cooked it. It took me hours. She'll tell you. And that's just for starters. I have an entire turkey for the main course. (laughs) That's if I haven't messed it up, huh? (laughs) Fingers crossed. He crossed his. He reached over to Imelda and crossed hers. No, I'm not sitting through this, this charade. Whatever this is, it isn't right. You've hurt this girl. You've hurt her. Who is she? Imelda. She's my Imelda. We we told you it, it was raining and she wore red. He smiled with the memory. That's how we met. And, but I'd known her for years. I mean... Absolute years. She was a class above me and I I watched her and loved her. But she she never looked twice at me. I love you. But she didn't. I wanted you to. I wanted it more than anything in the world. He looked into the fleshy salmon rolls of her eyes. What did you feel for me? Nothing. What was I to you? Nothing. Nothing. And she wore red. I wore red. Always you wore red. And it was raining and you fell and I held out my hand and we met. He stroked her hair, took her flaccid hand and kissed it. Finally, after loving you so long, we met. And I had to. I just had to make her went wrong and I'm left with I'm left with a thing something you can only use How son how did what did you do to the poor girl Does it matter? Does it really matter what I did? It's it's done it's done and we just have to make the best of a bad It was a need. I can't be blamed for needing. Can you... Can you forgive me? The boy looked at them. Him with his gundog eyes and scarlet. Her with the bulwark of her teeth. I love you. See? She forgives me. It should be easier for you. It should be... It should be automatic. (laughs) I mean, 
You do silly things when you're young. I'm sure both of you did. Let her go, son. Just, just let her go. Any time. Any time she can go. Mammy. Daddy. Would you like to see what happens when I do? Three fingers. Reddened by use, he held them up for his parents to see. Do you want to see what's left of her? In. Three fingers full knuckled in holes, the girl up and shaking the castanet crack of her jaw as she lurched the slap of a half-boned hand against ribs, eyes rolled white and mouth agape, her tongue a slip against her palate. Let me go, let me go, let me go, let me go, let me go! He stared at his parents. Let me go, let me go, let me go, let me go, let me go! Three fingers out, and she is soft and silent and seated again. We... We don't believe you meant to hurt her, do we, love? He looked at his wife, but she stared at their son and said nothing. No, we... we... we, uh... We won't let this go on. We'll tell. You can't keep her. She needs help. She reached across the table. You need... I know. I know. But I wanted, just for a moment, to have something almost right. Something other people get. It's been so long since I've seen you, I I did want things to end like last. He raised his glass to toast them. Happy Christmas. Mammy. Daddy. I love you both. The father's glass lifted an uncertain inch. Hers remained in place. The boy stared down at his glass. But you know, I can't just let you go. I put it in everything, to be certain. He looked at them. It's in both of you now. What? The father managed to say. She got no words out. His head snapped forward, grinding in food, the scuff scalding cheek and eye. Stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Her head snapped back upon the headrest, pink shading to white, the neck curved as far as it could go. She coughed a mouthful of air, her lips pulled back in non-consensual grin. Nuff, nuff, nuff. Her hands clutched the base of her spine, pulling the blouse from the waistband, her softening limbs barely hers to move. Blood on her blouse. Three holes were opening on her, on him. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Something dripped gently from both their seats. Pooled. Amelda, do you love me? I love you. 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 Later, he would clean his parents, fold them, put them to bed. But first, he sat them all upon the couch. The fire was warm, bathed them all in soft, yielding light. A poker in, and the fire roared and danced. They sat and reminisced. A finger in the first of Daddy's holes. I held your hand, and we came to the edge, looking down at dark water rushing. Fearless. Always you were my special boy. And a finger in Mammy. You wore little shorts. Did I? I don't remember that. 
You wore a little shorts. Oh, if you say so. You wore little shorts on the first day of school and you clung to me. Don't make me go. But I told you be brave. And you were. Safe for me to let you go. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And three were bent and posed to sit on the couch, sloped to lean and love against him. A kiss for Mammy, shallow divot in bone, and one for Daddy and a dent for him. Anna Melda, adding to the yielding band of pockmarks across her forehead. Another, and she could crack. Christmas. <laughs> the best Christmas anyone could ask for. What more could we want? Nothing. 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 And down below the reservoir, something stirs. Down Below the Reservoir is written by Graeme Tugwell and performed by Sarah Maria Griffin, Dave Rudden, Deirdre Sullivan and Graeme Tugwell. Story originally adapted by Sinead O'Brien. This podcast is recorded and sound designed at Displace Studios Dublin and produced by Rebecca Gimblet. Down Below the Reservoir is a work of fiction and any resemblance to places or people living or dead is purely coincidental. A new episode of Down Below the Reservoir is available every two weeks through iTunes, Stitcher and Google Play and at downbelowthereservoir.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter and our Patreon crowdfunding campaign. Only through your support and donations is Down Below the Reservoir made possible. Join us. And remember, everyone drinks the water here.